This episode of the Bendy Bodies podcast is brought to you by Bowerfine Premium Braces and Supports. Bowerfine promotes mobility and activity through pain relief and improved joint control. Welcome to Bendy Bodies. This is co-host Jennifer Milner here with Dr. Linda Bluestein for another episode of this dance-specific series. Today we are so fortunate to be chatting with psychiatrist and performing arts medicine specialist, Dr. Bonnie Robinson. Bonnie has served as a consultant to numerous ballet schools and companies, has performed original arts-related research, and is a popular invited speaker at national and international conferences that span the globe. Her mindfulness approach to performance and psychological skills training programs have been included in the curricula of numerous universities and postgraduate arts programs. In addition to serving on the editorial board for the journal Medical Problems of Performing Artists, Bonnie has served on numerous committees and boards, including the PAMA Board of Directors, the I Adams Education Committee, the Healthy Dancer Canada Membership Committee, and the Dance USA Task Force on Dancer Health. Bonnie has received numerous awards for her contribution to arts education, including a Lifetime Achievement and the Bill Dawson Award. Although Bonnie is currently retired from clinical practice, she continues to dedicate her time to educating performing artists about how to achieve and maintain optimal resilience. Also, please note that this is information and not medical advice. Bonnie, she asked me to call her by her first name, is extremely knowledgeable through her extensive research and work with the dance community. And we are so fortunate to have her on the Bendy Bodies podcast today. And on a personal note, I am thrilled that the three of us are reunited after we presented together on hypermobility at the most recent iAdams conference last October. Hello, and welcome to Bendy Bodies Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really pleased to be here. I admire the work that you've been doing at Bendy Bodies. Oh, well, we've loved doing it, but I have to say it's good to have our, our third musketeer back with us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, Bonnie, these are clearly very stressful times for people. Um, what can you tell us about stress and why many people are feeling more stressed than ever before? Well, as you say, everybody is in this together and everybody's feeling stress. Some people are coping better and that's, that's the thing about stress. It's an inability to cope or to think you're not going to cope with what you perceive as a threat. And it could be a threat to your mental health, which I'm interested in, or your physical health or your emotional well-being. Um, and, and people have been saying, my emotions aren't quite what they used to be, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing really well. I'm doing lots of stuff. I'm taking exercise and I'm eating healthy, but still, I'm feeling a little funny. So it's kind of an imbalance between the demands you have and your coping abilities. And today's we have a lot of stresses, the stress of isolation, of not knowing what's going to happen next, and that's a biggie. Fear of the infection, of course, that's realistic. And frustration uh, with not really being given the goods, the news. Is this real mm. news? Is this not news? So inadequate information and not having the supplies can be very irritating, not having what you normally uh, expect. So um, 
Oh, and for the dancers that we're talking to, a lot of them are, and, and a lot of you dancers out there, are troubled by finances. Um, you know, you can't have healthy food if you don't have enough money. And many people lost their contracts or jobs uh, when, when the isolation occurred. So that brings a really big one up, the loss of mm. purpose. If I'm not mm -hmm. dancing, and I'm not a dancer, what am I? Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of that in conversations with my dancers, that this is that time of them saying, what, what is my identity and, and what does it look like? And you mentioned we're all sort of in isolation right now. A lot of us are in, on shelter in place. Um, what, what are the risks of this sort of physical and social isolation? Well, you can be more emotional. Some stress is good, but too much can, can slow you down and make you not want to handle things. For people who were pretty stress tolerant, you know, they could bounce back, they could handle criticism. That's what dancers do. Um, and so now we're saying, what do we do now to handle the stress when I'm just feeling at sixes and sevens and not getting done? So getting as much normality into your life as you can is helpful. So you want to uh, have your regular schedule and everybody's talked about this, but are you, are we all really doing it? Getting up at the right time, uh, the regular time every day, using an alarm clock if we need to, scheduling our day. And we can talk about that later about how to set up your day so you can maximize your energy. But some of the things dancers can do is if they're not finding their stress level as high, they, uh, can rely on taking some dance classes. And I know most people have tried all the different kinds. And it's very exciting, isn't it, to try um, a dance class with someone you've always wanted to take from. Um, also, yoga is online. And yoga breathing is wonderful. Journaling, planning the day, keeping a routine. That's the, for dealing with stress, that's the best part of uh, mm and do using your body skills because people have used their bodies all the time and then suddenly they're uh, in isolation it, see how you can use your body i like uh tricks like body skills body scan progressive muscle relaxation those all use your body to help you deal with the stress mm -hmm. i'm thinking about for dancers specifically and this sense of physical isolation right being kept out of the dance studios, and then social isolation, dancers tend to be hardwired a little bit differently as far as how they respond to, to things. You know, we're taught in dance studios to respond to authority very well, so we, we follow that chain of command. Um, we're taught to not uh, show our emotions, perhaps, and to, and to deal with them um, in a very just deal with it yourself kind of manner. So I'm wondering if there's anything like that that gets magnified during social and, and physical isolation, maybe perhaps even more so for dancers than for other people. Well, the social isolation, let's, let's deal with the dance class and bringing it into your kitchen. What's missing is the, the teacher in the room. Um, and even if the teacher can see you a bit in the gallery view, uh, it's not the same as having that person there, just as you've said. And so it's not as rewarding 
to be in, in the program of the class, the yoga class or, or the dance class or the Pilates, mm -hmm. whatever. But you also talked about um, the social isolation. And I think what's important to me is while we're all alone, we're not lonely. We don't have to be lonely. We don't have mm -hmm. to have that. It's important for us to talk to friends and family. And again, dancers, you know you like the silence. You know that you find it very hard to talk to somebody, especially about emotions. Um, but please let me encourage you to do that, to tell people how you're feeling so you get some feedback. Um, mm -hmm. you, you might tell somebody about an experience you had um, walking your dog and, and they say, I had the exact same thing. Oh my goodness. And so <laughs> that's, um, that's so uh, validating and makes you feel so good when other people are saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, and I am noticing that, that um, with my dancers, there is, when I, when I work with them, obviously I work with them on a physical level and I'm noticing that almost all of them have lost a fair amount of balance. And I don't even mean like complicated dancing balance. I mean, standing on one leg balancing um, wow. that that has lost. And I was talking to a friend of mine uh, just yesterday, Alicia had about this and she said she was reading some preliminary papers saying that um, when you stop doing the complicated movements, um, you start to lose your vestibular balance quite yeah. quickly. And that when you start to lose your vestibular balance, your suboccipital muscles start to tighten up. So you get neck tightening, which can lead to headaches and all that. But we were kind of brainstorming what's going on with the dancers losing their balance. And one of the things I realized is dancers are so conditioned to have constant feedback. And even in these great yes. dance studios that, that they've set up or their parents have set up for them in their homes, they don't have mirrors all around. So when I have dancers do things, I can tell when I watch them move that they are not as aware of where their bodies are in space anymore because they're not getting that constant feedback. All of this to say that we are not getting constant feedback um, in other ways as well. So mm -hmm. we're not, dancers aren't getting poured into verbally over Zoom and they're not getting that feedback in the dressing room, talking to each other and comparing aches and pains. And so they're not, so that's part of social isolation that I don't think dancers are thinking about is that we're not getting that verbal feedback. So as you said, being alone is different than being lonely and even just getting that feedback of, yes, it was hot when I went outside today too, <laughs> starts to give you that framework of your, of your surroundings and of your life. So I agree that's so important. Yes, and, and dancers um, have learned over time, um, especially the older dancers who've grown up in studios where they were taught not to show their pain. It right. can be really hard to uh, put into words what you're feeling and not, not to feel vulnerable and, and inadequate. So yes. um, again, we're all in it together. And, and uh, some people, however, are... I've noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed, but are taking on more than they normally would, um, mm -hmm. not being less functional. They're, they're working, they're taking on, I can do that, I can do that. Oh, sure, I can mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. And we're getting uh, uh, too much. One woman I talked to was working from 5.30 in the morning till 8 at night every day. Mm -hmm. um, and where is she working, just as we are now, online. 
and right. something has right. come up called Zoom fatigue. Have you heard of Zoom fatigue? Yes, people have been talking about that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's where the brain um, makes changes because when we're trying to talk to people online, we can't pick up the normal social cues, the little uh, mm -hmm. things, your eyes dart one way or you nod or whatever. And you, you're not, it's really hard to pick those up uh, when, you're, when you're using the Zoom uh, camera. And, and so it's, the work is, is doubled and okay. the cues are very hard to interpret. Yes. You get Zoom fatigue. Yes. Headaches, and and for, for people who are for people who are so used to getting that kind of constant feedback, um, that's mm -hmm. that can leave you in a very bewildering place. And as you said, some people will overfill their time trying to justify their their what they see as their idleness, right? <laughs> exactly. So so yeah. that and and just because you're a nice little person and you have the you think you have the time, but maybe you don't have the time. Yeah. Yeah. So this could be something really positive for all of us to learn to say no mm -hmm. so that when we return <laughs> to work we practice saying no <laughs> well I i'm sorry i can't do that i'm already busy that day yeah yeah i think i think when we return to work things are going to be so different it's going to go through these huge swings from one side to the next and back again um, okay so looking at this the isolation um, one of the big questions I have is um, about sleep. Are you seeing that impaired sleep as a, an effect of this sort of shelter-in-place time? Oh, you got it. <laughs> sleep is one of the things people are complaining about. How do I get sleep? The first person who told me about their sleep problem said, I woke up in the middle of the night. I never do that. And there felt like there was this huge stone on my chest. And immediately I thought, oh, I'm sick. But no, it was uh, a feeling of isolation, a feeling of anxiety, maybe, a feeling that I'm not really coping well. You know, you, people normally get seven, for good, for dancers, it's good for them to get seven to nine hours sleep. But they don't always get that because, you know, dancers come home late. Um, have to settle in, calm down a little bit if they've had a performance and then the next morning they'll be up early for a technical rehearsal or a class. Um, so I think, I think that the sleep is so important. Um, I think, uh, Linda, uh, you were talking about um, sleep affecting uh, people's immune system well. Mm -hmm. uh, Oh yes, ab absolutely. And and people like dancers who are so used to being so physically active, they're they're going to kind of crash when they finally do get into bed because they are so physically exhausted. Which mm -hmm. will even you know even if their circadian cycle is off, because of course for dancers it's harder for them to be on like the ideal cycle. As you pointed out, they often have performances and things late late in the evening. Um, but it, yeah, sleep is critically important for proper. Uh, optimal immune function. So that is something that I think a lot of people are really struggling with, even if they know that that's what they should be doing, that they should be getting up when the sun is up and they should be 
Mm-hmm. Staying up, ideally not napping, or if they do nap, make it very, very brief, 20 minutes or less. Um, I think a lot of people are really struggling with that. And one of the hugest problems with that is, uh, is our screens. And we're using our screens mm-hmm. so much more mm-hmm. rather than interacting with, with each other. And the light from the screens suppresses melatonin production, which is what regulates their circadian rhythm and will... Mm-hmm tell us it's nighttime, it's time to fall asleep. Um, so that's, so that's something that a lot of people are really, you know, I hear a lot of people struggling with that and see a lot of people struggling with that. Bonnie, do you have suggestions? <laughs> well, I do, but before that, there, there's um, two other kinds, uh, other kinds of, well, three other kinds of, there's light sleep, deep sleep, and REM sleep. And all of those, we cycle through that four or five times a night, as I understand it. And um, if we, we only get, even if we have seven or eight hours sleep, 20% of that time is deep sleep. And that's the one I think that helps with your immune system and your physical recovery and even growth. So, uh, we do need the, the sleep. Um, what are some things you said to, that we can help get ready? You have a regular bedtime, just as you get up early, you try and have your bedtime, uh, at a regular time and allow yourself whatever time you need every night to unwind, to get ready for bed. We would never try and put a child to bed by taking them, putting them in their pajamas, taking them into room and say, night, night, go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> that's not going to work. We all know that. So um, we, you need time to, you, you remind them that they're going to have a bath now and they're going to get into their pajamas and then they're going to have uh, their little snack. Oh, and we should have a little snack, not a huge meal, little snack. Um, healthy fruit, a few crackers, even even toast and jam, the nutritionist tells me is, is acceptable as a bedtime snack. No electronics, as you said, that's really important. And um, some people find a bath helps. Now there was controversy about exercise. Do you remember they said, don't exercise right before bedtime? But um, there's been some research uh, coming out lately um, in Texas, actually, um, mm-hmm. showing with athletes and dancers are definitely athletes. So mm-hmm. um, let's take that advice that um, mild exercise is not bad yoga. And they even have some yoga things that help. Um, let me see if I can remember. Um, uh, the, the pose of the child is good. The legs up the wall is good. Double pigeon, which is a, a sort of, it's a funny way you sit cross-legged and you can just pull it up online. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shavasana, the, the typical uh, pose that the yoga t- teachers take at the end of class, which everybody looks forward to. And, <laughs> and that prepares you for bed. Actually, and there are things that you, you can do again with your body uh, I, my favorites are uh, body scan and progressive muscle relaxation if you're having real trouble falling asleep. Mm-hmm. I love to um, focusing on that, on mindful breathing. Um, that's some work uh-huh. that I've done with my dancers and I encourage them to do um, some nice, deep, really great diaphragmatic breaths as they're trying to go to bed to try mm-hmm. to stimulate that vagus nerve and sort of switch their body into that parasympathetic state. 
Um, right. And I, and, and the thing is, dancers don't consider everything that you just listed exercise, <laughs> right? <laughs> if it doesn't stretch them out or get their heart rate up or increase their turns, it's not exercise. So you, you don't have to call it exercise dancers. You can just call it, you know, a physical what mindfulness call it or mindfulness. whatever you want to call okay. it. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, just or so, relaxation, so that, stretch, whatever. Right. So I don't, I don't want them to hear the word exercise and think I should go do some cardio um, because <laughs> okay. you're right. Going through those gentle movements and, and focusing on that breath can be, can be quite helpful. So thank you for spelling all of that out for them. Are there issues that might come up that, that you have seen increase over social um, isolation, like uh, sleep abnormalities or anything like that? Can that be, if you've already got something like sleep apnea, um, or yeah. just regular insomnia, can that be exacerbated in situations like this? Yes. And the waking up, the insomnia, the difficulty falling asleep. And if you're already prone to um, periodic limb movements, restless leg syndrome, um, uh, you, those can be problematic for you at this time. And then you worry more. So you wake up in the night, get up, you go into the next room, you're all worried. Eh. Um, that, that again, this would be a time to check out your sleep hygiene. How's your room? Is it completely dark? Is it quiet? Is it cool? Uh, it, it sometimes people just leave their beds because who's going to see? Well, well, sometimes now that we're on Zoom, we are all seeing. <laughs> but um, but it it really does help to to get your room ready, to have your bed made, to have it all ready for your sleep. And uh, I, I was going to ask uh, Linda to tell us again about um, restless legs and, and any supplements we might consider to help with our sleep. Oh, I yes. think magnesium's wonderful, but. Oh, yes. Mag magnesium is wonderful. And so many people have a magnesium deficiency. So, you know, again, not knowing any individual person's circumstances, but in my, in my clinical practice, I do put a lot of my patients on magnesium. And I also put a lot of people on melatonin. And we talked about melatonin a little bit earlier, a really important hormone for regulating the circadian cycle. The interesting thing is melatonin also has beneficial effects on the immune system. And the, there are uh, numerous people that have come out with recommendations and, and there's a lot of scientific studies that have been done showing that melatonin has uh, beneficial effects, even up to doses that can be, you know, quite high relative to um, what, what we would normally recommend. And I've put some information about this, like in my blog and the Institute of Functional Medicine has some great information if people want more details about dosing and things like that. So that's one thing that can be really helpful. One thing that I think is important to mention that we would want to avoid is, um, especially in, ex in excess, is alcohol. A lot of people I think feel like, oh, I have a drink and then it helps me fall asleep. And that's possible that it makes you sleepy and can, you know, kind of make you feel drowsy, but it doesn't really, um, it actually reduces the amount of REM sleep that you get. And so it doesn't actually help you get quality sleep and alcohol actually impairs the immune system. So, so that's something that I think is important for people to be, to be aware of at this time. And the, the other thing that I wanted to mention in terms of a, in terms of a supplement is something called pomatola ethanolamide. Mm -hmm. Now that's a really, really long word. 
Um, but it's, it's called PEA for short. Now there, just be careful. If you Google PEA there, you're going to come up with a lot of different PEAs. Um, but again, you, there's information about this, like in my blog and we'll have it on some, uh, episode details. But anyway, this is a, uh, it's an endo, it acts on endocannabinoid receptors and has a lot of different beneficial effects. It can actually help uh, improve sleep, decrease pain, and also stabilize mast cells. And it's also on the Institute of Functional Medicine's list of supplements for coronavirus. So it's really fascinating Ah. to me. Yeah, it's really fascinating to me because Basically, the things that I had already been recommending to my patients for decreasing inflammation, decreasing pain, um, you know, specific to mast cell activation syndrome, other things associated with being um, hypermobile are the same list of things in general that the Institute of Functional Medicine and other, you know, organizations are recommending for boosting your immune system. So it kind of reminds me of a saying that I heard once at a urology meeting, my husband's a urologist. And the speaker was saying, what's good for your heart is going to be good for your prostate. So, you know, it's, it's reassuring to me that things that are good for reducing inflammation and for making our body generally more well are also going to be better, are going to be helpful for immune functioning. So, yeah. So, yeah. It, yeah. You know, before we leave sleep, we should talk about dreaming, I think. Oh, yes, Definitely. What should yeah. we know about dreaming? And, and, and are people having more vivid dreams nowadays? Oh, yes, they are. Exactly. In fact, um, people who have not had dreams before frequently are waking up with dreams and uh, uh, they're st- sort of startled and they're still anxious. Um, dancers' anxiety dreams uh, are pretty typical. They, um, that's how their body is recognizing stress and they're saying, I'm ready to go on stage, but I don't have my costume on. Uh, I'm on the way to the theater, and but I'm in traffic and I can't get there in time. Uh, one dancer, it was not quite as related to dance, but she was getting lost and couldn't find her way. And, and it seemed like she was little and uh, her par- she had never been lost. This has never happened to her in reality. So she's never had that experience before, but it was very vivid. So you wake up distressed and what are you going to do um, in order to get back to sleep? So go go into another room, stay warm, uh, do some of your uh, practicing of your uh, mindfulness, as you said, practicing your breathing. There's a yoga breath, which is very hard to describe um, over the air because you have to practice it. But... Many of you know it, where you put your middle index finger in the, in the middle of your forehead and then using your thumb and your ring finger, you alternately close each nostril, uh, breathing in, close the nostril, breathe out the other nostril, and so on. And that is exquisitely calming and very good to use in that situation. Mm-hmm. I like to finish my dream in a positive way and take the uh, new ending uh, back to bed with me. Many, many people report that if, if they don't, they, when they fall asleep, they go right back into the dream where they left off, uh, just like Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so finish it positively, review your sleep hygiene, 
practice your body scans, your PMR, your mindful breathing. Uh, next night, take a positive image to bed with you. Um, I like my safe place, and we can talk a little bit about developing a safe place later. That's one of the psychological tricks of the trade. Um, and make sure that you go through your whole sleep hygiene before going to sleep the next night so you're not replicating having another night of bad dreams mm. or anxiety dreams. They're not bad. They're just horrible situations that mm -hmm. you have no control over. Mm -hmm. oh, I wonder why. Right. And right. Then, and yeah, exactly. And leave you feeling exhausted and stressed and anxious all day too sometimes. Mm -hmm. that, that's really interesting. And I, sh and I should mention that melatonin can actually cause you to have more vivid dreaming. Um, uh -huh. it, it, yeah. And it is quite interesting because uh, melatonin and another medication that I, this is a medication you need a prescription for, uh, low-dose naltrexone can also cause more vivid dreaming. So I love your idea mm -hmm. about rewriting the dream in your mind and finishing it on a positive note, mm -hmm. because I think that is one challenge that a lot of us are having. Maybe before we would go to bed and we would have some thoughts in our mind, but at least it was more positive. There were a lot more knowns than unknowns. Mm -hmm. And now we might go on, be going to bed and having more difficulty kind of doing a, a cleaning out the hard drive and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and shutting things down. Um, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why you need that. enough time and make, you don't, can't expect yourself to just go, as you said, the very physical dancer can't wait to get to bed and falls asleep, has a very short sleep latency time, time to fall asleep, but not, maybe not, not so much now. So do you have any suggestions for, you know, making up for that huge difference in amount of activity that will um, have a really dramatic impact on neurotransmitter levels in the brain and that's not anyone's fault i think it's i think that's one important thing that's um, helpful for people to realize is not to blame themselves and add that on top of everything else <laughs> <laughs> yep um i think something that helps you where i like to think of self-rewarding activity so okay. um that involves another psychological skill called goal setting and you may have, as a dancer at one time or other, had a journal, a dance journal, and you wrote in it the positive things and you, uh, that happened to you so you could look back and review and, and bring those to class in a, in a later thing. I propose that we do the same journaling and preparing for the day um, in, in our mind. Now, we, that certainly before bed writing down all the things that you have to do tomorrow and then putting them aside will help mm -hmm. you not worry about, oh my goodness, I've got to call so-and-so. Oh my goodness, I've got to, you know you've already dealt with that. So that'll help with your sleep. But when you're getting up in the morning and we've already talked about having our routine, brushing our teeth, doing all our regular things, having breakfast supplements and so on, each day should be planned with short and long-term goals. So maybe a short-term goal that I know I can do tomorrow uh, that I have wanted to do for some time. Uh, for example, my, my, my favorite example is cleaning out the fridge now. Hands up all of you <laughs> who want to clean out the fridge today. So, um, my hand is not up for the record. <laughs> Neither is mine actually, but that's okay. <laughs> but you can um, break it down and you, you can 
it, we can use a, a trick called um, task analysis and we could, uh, and it's like goal setting, but overall we're going to have clean the fridge and we're going to make it a little bit. I'm not going to clean the whole fridge. I'm going to just clean the vegetable bins tomorrow. And then I'm going to go for my walk. Now, if possible, not everybody can walk. Some people find it they're on the 23rd floor of the apartment building. And so they're only going to go down once a day, if that. Um, and even, even active dancers find that a long haul back up. The alternative is to take the elevator, uh, which is functioning, but that a lot of people find that's very risky going into the mm -hmm. elevator. Sure. So yeah. they would prefer to walk up the 23 flights of stairs. And um, so that may have, you may have to plan what you're going to do when you go for your walk. Um, and so that you, because you're only going to go down once a day. You have to make it, your schedule flexible. It's not like I must do this at 11 o'clock. A little flexibility in there, a little uh, wiggle room, but achievable and a little bit challenging. I mean, the, the fridge is definitely challenging. <laughs> Um, dancers uh, are not uh, usually very good at, um, at limiting themselves. If they put it on the schedule, they want to do it and they want to do it well. Mm -hmm. uh, if, they're, if they're to clean the sink, they want to clean that sink till it, they, to their standard, which is usually very high. Yeah, it you is. You put a routine in and then you try and follow it. Put, having written down all the things in your journal that you're going to do, including, you know, I'm going to make myself a healthy salad for lunch and I'm going to have lunch. Um, mm. I'm going to make time. That, um, that can be very rewarding because you check it off. I ate a healthy lunch. Um, I've even had some, some of my dancers posting uh, pictures of the healthy food that they're making uh, now that they have time. Beautiful things that they've uh, taken a lot of time over and taken time to, to set the table and, and take the picture. Um, and um, bodies love regularity. Uh, so do dancers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the dance, the, but the dancers are giving to their body if they give it regular routine because your body likes that. Oh, it's time to do. If if you have pets, you'll know that they know exactly what time it is when it's dinner time. They're there and ready and waiting. And don't you be late. Um, so you you want to put down what you know. Uh, if you wait till supper time and then you say, what have I got here? What's left over? What can I do? That's too late. So do your plan and stick to your plan. And, and that is tremendously helpful in, in getting through uh, the day. Mm -hmm. uh, now I want to circle back to something that you said there, because you mm -hmm. talked about the value of self-rewarding activities. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that phrase, but that phrase in some points in my life would mean a pint of ice cream, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, and not that there's anything wrong with a pint of ice cream, right? But um, I know some dancers might hear this kind of conversation and start thinking about the journaling and finding it uh, a way to find uh, what they would consider a safe and comfortable way to sort of obsess and overdo things. So how do we find those, how do we find that balance of 
motivating ourselves to do stuff, but not too much and finding self-rewarding activities that are gratifying, like going for a walk, but not, I must walk this speed to keep my heart rate up right. to burn this many calories. You know, like how do we find that balance as dancers? Yeah, I think that's right on Jennifer. We have to um, set the task in tiny units mm -hmm. and uh, reward ourselves say, yes, I did that. Um, that is, that's good enough. And good enough is a lovely phrase. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be the best. <laughs> you know? uh, in fact, if you strive for being the best always, you're going to find that it interferes with your performance uh, and you don't do as well. So even doing your jigsaw puzzle, uh, you don't have to finish it today. You, <laughs> you can plan to do a certain amount of time on your jigsaw puzzle. Uh, everybody seems to have found jigsaw puzzles. I don't know why, <laughs> but, but they are very self-rewarding when you finish and you get the piece in. Every time you put the piece in, that helps. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, so write down what you've done. So if I finish cleaning that fridge, I write it into my journal and I have to remember to be sure to tell my friends and family when I'm talking to them what I did, because they're gonna say, how are you, what are you doing? And I go, oh, I'm fine, um, nothing. <laughs> That's not true, look at all I did. But I need that journal to remind me of all the wonderful things I've, I've done this last, past week. I, yes, I agree with that. And I think do, taking it in small, sort of inconsequential bites is great because if you only write down the big things like I walked six miles or Whoa! any of that, then, 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 <laughs> yeah, then, then it's a really unrealistic place to be. Um, I will say I've been through a couple of very difficult times in my life when my, um, my husband and I went through a hard time with him being out of work for almost a year and a new baby and all of this. And there was a point that we hit that I said, I have to write down all the good things that are happening to us right now, mm -hmm. because there are so many wonderful things that are happening that are small. And I don't want this hard time to be over. And for me to just look back on this hard time and say, oh, it was so awful. And there was this and there was that. Like, we have to remember that there was some beauty and then some really lovely things too. And maybe it was just a friend surprising us with a meal. So for me, during this sort of time of isolation, it's super helpful for me to focus on the small good things, on the small lovely things, and not try to set my, my goal, my sights quite so high. So I really, I love that as, as the self-rewarding activities, having them small things. I love that. Some people are making lists of what they're grateful for. Mm -hmm. And apparently gratitude uh, or, or, or again, writing down your positive lists um, mm -hmm. is very helpful. It's been found to be very, very helpful. You wouldn't think just doing that could be, it's such a simple thing, but you know, what am I grateful for? Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm grateful for being able to wear perfume. Today, you can't wear perfume and I love perfume. And I've been going around wearing perfume in the house and <laughs> smelling ever so nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point because we tend to think about the, the big things. And I think that one of the things that I see with a lot of people is that normally we would think of things that we would be looking forward to as big things like trips or mm -hmm. a big performance or, you know, some, you know, like for us 
Actually, Jennifer and I are supposed to be right now at this moment. Right now, yeah. Right now, we are supposed to be together in Banff. Um, oh. Yeah, speaking at a, at a conference. And Bonnie, I know you know all, all about this. You were instrumental in getting this organized. And of course, this is one of the many things that was canceled. So I think that what you're saying, Jennifer, too, is so important because that also helps us to focus on the little things that we can be looking forward to and not just on those big things. Because I think when, when Bonnie, you were talking about people getting on a regular schedule, it can be hard to get out of bed in the morning if you feel like there's nothing to look forward to today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's another day. Yeah. No, it's not. Today's the day, you know, uh, that I do something special. I'm going to call so-and-so today. Um, mm-hmm. My friend, Martha, and oh, I'm going to I'm going to have time today to do my special yoga class. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so speaking of, of feeling that really, some of the people that are going to be in that really overwhelmed place, I know you've talked, Bonnie, about taking your emotional temperature. Would you yes. be able to, to touch on that a little bit and help people to understand when they know that they are, you know, um, you know, really needing additional help and what kind of resources they might be looking for, either for themselves or for someone they care about? Thanks. I, I, I do want to talk about emotions and overload. Um, and when I say take your emotional temperature, I'm saying, look, look at how you're feeling. Um, if, if your temperature is too high, your heart rate is actually up. You're worried. You're impulsive, like you sort of going around. You, but while you're impulsive, you don't have much energy. You're tired. And the interesting thing is you're more clumsy. If you're emotions are too low, your movements are slow. You have, here comes that slow decision-making, Jennifer, that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a floating sense of your concentration. I just can't seem to stay at it. Um, one of the dancers I talked to is trying to do her income tax, <laughs> which is not a pleasant thing anyway, but she can't <laughs> sit down for even 10 minutes to keep at it. It's, it's just like she's, can't get it done. So it's difficult to focus on a task. And, and again, journaling, uh, using your journal to write down your feelings and following along, checking out what helps you bring your emotions either up or down uh, as you need. Uh, what, what changes do you make in your activity? Is, are you hydrated? Are you eating properly? Are you putting your exercise in at the right times? So when is it during the day that you're having low emotion, just can't get going, I just don't feel like it, or up emotions, I've got to get this done on before I can, um, and you can hear in my voice the different change. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotions, you know, relate to, to mood changes, and, and if, if you think they're out of control, if you're having intrusive thoughts that you can't control, if... Um, you're having impulsive thoughts. You might want to check out how you're coming across with a friend. Uh, and if you don't feel comfortable talking to a friend, uh, I, there are helplines uh, available. And I, I'm just going to mention uh, four of them that, that I have. Um, there's the Befrienders, International Befrienders. And there's the BBC Action Line in the UK. In Canada, there's the AFC, which stands for Actors Fund Canada. And in the States, there's the Actors Fund. They have a special dance section. 
Uh, they have trained social workers who are, who are answering the phones know about dancers. So I recommend the Actors Fund. They also um, are offering financial support and, and uh, very concrete uh, suggestions for people. By concrete, I mean, they tell you things that you might want to do. They will also connect you with uh, helplines in your area it's so that um, if you're in an isolated part of the country, they'll find what's closest to you. Um, similarly, if you've got a friend, what if you've got a friend or family member who seems to be out of emotional control? Um, you know, check with them um, about how they're feeling. And, and what if you've had a depression before? Um, you know, that's, we've all had depressions. Maybe you've had some treatment before. Uh, maybe you've been over anxious before and had um, emotional illness. What can help? And so now you're worried, right? That um, you're worried that it might recur under this terrible stress. Write down what happened, who you saw, uh, where you saw them, and a telephone number if you have it. Uh, if you took medication, what the name of it was, if you can remember, and the dose, and what was positive and what was negative about that medication. Because if you go to talk to somebody, uh, they're going to want to know uh, what was good for you, any side effects you had, and any. remember to put down any allergies you have. Then put that note in a safe place where you can have easy access to it, and then you can forget about it because if you if your emotions get out of control and you want to talk to somebody or see somebody, you can just quickly get that information out and take it with you. Mm -hmm. I think that's particularly valuable because then sometimes it helps to just know that you have something available just in case. And although that's not the same thing as having, you know, the actual prescription um, in the States anyway, I don't know what's happening in Canada. Jennifer and I are both in the, in the U S and of course, Bonnie, you're in Canada. I know here we are doing a lot more in terms of telemedicine these days. Mm -hmm. And so, although there are still access issues for sure, in some ways, I think that they might actually be better during this time because of the fact that a lot of people are offering telemedicine visits. So I think it's definitely worthwhile contacting your primary care provider and seeing if they either would be willing to write you that prescription to have just in case, or, you know, at least reaching out mm -hmm. to them. I, I know I've, I've talked to people who they haven't even called to see if that person is doing uh, telemedicine visits and seeing if they could even, you know, uh, secure a visit so that they can discuss these things. And mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, once I encourage them to do it, they say, oh yeah, I was able to get an appointment, no problem. So. Yeah. That's and even that. checking in with your counselor, um, if you've had a counselor in the past, just checking in to make sure they're there. Right. Then, then you know it's available. Then, then you say, yeah. oh, well, okay. If I ever need her, I can call. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a great idea. I love that. Well, Bonnie, you have given us um, a lot of different things that we can put into our toolkits to sort of handle with the handle this time of uncertainty and stress. And you've talked about um, the the small rewards, right? That we could give ourselves the self rewarding activities. You've talked about the mindful breathing, um, ways to try to cope with our dreams and and working on our our sleep and um, kind of getting ourselves into a healthy mindset. And I really like what you just discussed, sort of preparing a Cliff's Notes version of, um, of what's going on with us mentally, what, what 
prescriptions we might be taking and all that to have ready mm -hmm. for that time mm -hmm. when we might um, move forward with talking to a professional of some kind. I wanted to circle back to something that you mentioned earlier when you talked about developing a safe place, because that was really interesting to me. Um, and I would love for you to just sort of elaborate on that. What do you mean with that? Well, I feel, and I've said this all my life, everybody should have a safe place they can go to. Uh, a safe place is using imagery. And uh, dancers think, oh, well, I, I don't use any imagery. I, I, if somebody tells me what to do, I do it like if the balloon on top of your head. Well, I imagine that. But uh, I have, I'm given those, those cues. But no, a safe place is somewhere where you can go to reduce your anxiety. Uh, you can go anytime and anywhere. I, it takes a while to develop a safe place. A safe place is someplace you imagine and you put yourself in it. Um, I say it takes about a week to learn to find your safe place. So you think about where would I go where I would be really safe and it would be wonderful and I have no responsibility, no obligation. I can have anything I want there. It could be a place outdoors or indoors, but it's my place. Mm. It can be any weather. Uh, some people love walking in the rain. Their safe place mm -hmm. would definitely have rain. Mm. Uh, it can be snowy for all you snowboarders. It could be a wonderful special hill for you. Um, and it could, for most people, they like the warm, sunny, and many people choose a beach. But if you have indoors, what furnishings do you have? What colors, what scents? Are you gonna bring somebody to your safe place? Or are you gonna be alone with no responsibilities? Are you gonna have a pet with you? Imagine yourself going there and you can stay for a short time and come back. After you've done a week of this and, and making any changes every day that you want. Um, you can decide if you, if this is your safe, forever safe place or you want to change it and you make the adjustments. Then at the end of the week, uh, you keep that and you can use it uh, every day, twice a day for short periods. Um, this is not meant as someplace where you'd go for prolonged meditation. Does that, does that ring a bell with you? Does that make sense where you yeah. could go um, safely? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that a skill that we can develop now during this difficult time and then carry it around anytime we want to. It's not, it's not something that has to be just for extreme times. It's, as you said, it can be anytime you need a break, anytime you want, want to take that break. I certainly go there just before bed, just before I was, sleep. <laughs> I, I was thinking the exact same thing that whether a person is in pain or having difficulty mm -hmm. falling asleep, or maybe, maybe they're having a procedure done. And if you can put yourself mentally in that safe place, you're going to have an easier time falling asleep. You're going to have less pain and you're going to get through a procedure more easily because, mm -hmm. because you are psychologically being able to calm your nervous system in a way that is super beneficial, as both of you have talked about you know, earlier with engaging the parasympathetic nervous system. And, um, and you can use this to fall asleep. And also, you know, we all wake up, of course, in the middle of the night from time, you know, 
and, and we don't remember it most of the time because we fall back to sleep quickly enough. But if you wake up in the middle of the night, this is a perfect thing to do to help yourself fall back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. I feel like these are all such great um, concrete things that we can do during this time when we feel so helpless. I really, I really love this list that you have put together. Um, I also want to say, I know that a lot of what, well, maybe not a lot of it, but a fair amount of what you've covered may seem obvious, like working on Mm -hmm. staying positive and keeping yourself active and go to sleep at the same time and don't drink too much alcohol. And like, these are all things that we kind of know. Um, There's a difference between knowing them and doing them. I mean, putting broccoli in your fridge does not make you a healthy eater. (laughs) If you're throwing that broccoli away every week. (laughs) So so knowing these things and everybody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know what I should be doing to help myself get to sleep. But I just want to encourage everyone to actually try some of these things. Do it as a favor to me, like whatever, whatever you want to say, but just try some of these things because these are really great tips. And I really appreciate you passing them on, Bonnie. Well, I, I'm so glad you mentioned mindfulness early on. And I hope that maybe um, we may not have time to go right through that whole uh, process here, but because really it, it takes in, in training, it takes eight weeks, but you mentioned it, and it is a wonderful skill to have and to develop. Mm-hmm. And, and people who are interested might look up mindfulness because it's a, a lovely, lovely skill. And, mm-hmm. and Bonnie, I think we should go into mindfulness. I think that is something that a lot of people, when they first try it, kind of like with the safe place, when they first try doing a mindfulness meditation, they might have difficulty with it and think, this is not for me but they're probably the person who needs it the most, I would think. And so maybe I, Jennifer, you really hit the nail on the head that we, we know a lot of these things, but we just don't do them. So, you know, (laughs) we, we, we really, this is such important information that people need. So, so Bonnie, if you would be willing to go into mindfulness, what people can do, why this is so important. I think this is just um, information that people really need. Well, I'm happy to talk about it, and but again, reminding you that um, you can you can train online, and there are there are lots of trains there. But see if you can get a practitioner who who is a credited uh, practitioner who's taken the course, uh, because my my local drugstore um, is it has an online mindfulness training session, uh, and and that's great. Uh, but, but remember to really make it effective. And you know, all these tr- things we've been talking about, these skills, they're not for everyone. And so some of you may say, well, that didn't help. Uh, you know, so um, that's fine. Not, er- not, it's not cookie cutter. Not everybody is going to find it helpful, but paying attention in the present moment, being aware and non-judgmental curious and observant. These are all words that refer to mindfulness. Um, It started with a Buddhist tradition 2,500 years ago. So if somebody's been doing it for 2,500 years, there must be something in it, sort of like chicken soup. There there must be something good about it. Uh, People must get some effect from it. So not everyone, but some. And then it came back in uh, really in a 2005 with the work of Jen Kabel-Zing. And uh, again, you can look up um, 
some of the books uh, on mindfulness if you want to uh, be more creative about it. It's, it, you actually create a way of directing your attention internally. And at first, your, your mind goes everywhere. And that's fine. You know, uh, I, hear, I hear a bell. I smell the flowers. Um, actually, we're starting to have some flowers now. Isn't that wonderful? We can see them. And, um, but I need to bring myself into the present moment. So when I said flowers, that was distracting. So I need to come back to me, come back into me, and just be present inside. If my mind wanders, then I bring it back, non-judgmental. I say, hmm, isn't that funny? I was thinking about something else. So it's, it's practicing. To get started, I do it the other way. I teach people to practice noticing with their five senses all the things that are around them. I hear this. I feel this. I see this. And, and just run a dialogue of what your brain is doing. And then let all that go, float away on little tiny purple clouds and bring yourself inside. Um, and just to see if you can stay in with active attention and what's happening in you. Oh, I'm breathing. Oh, I wasn't thinking about that. A mindfulness practice, once you've trained in it, helps with memory retention and it improves your sleep. Uh, just as you said, Jennifer. So it's 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 something um, that you might want to consider training in. It takes about eight weeks to really get the sense of it. Uh, so you have to practice, and dancers love to practice something. So you put that in your schedule. Remember the schedule you're making? Ten minutes of mindfulness practice after lunch. Great. Well, it's a it's a it sounds like such an easy subject, right? Like it's just mindfulness. It's being present in the in the moment. Um, very hard. But as you said, it, it, it's very difficult to do. And uh, you mentioned it being like an eight week course that you can take. So it is mm -hmm. something that will require a fair amount of practice, especially because um, in our society today, it is difficult for us to be present uh, with our phones and our, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've, I've noticed some of my dancers when they're taking like a group class, they might have their cell phone off in the corner and they might be checking it in ways that they never used to right. if they were in the dance studio. So it is difficult for us to be fully present. And I think right now, partly because we feel like we're not fully present, even when we are <laughs> with someone with, when we're Zooming, we're, there's that sense of dissatisfaction, like eating a diet cookie instead of a real cookie that yes, I'm interacting with you, but I'm not fully present with you. So I'm still distracted with my phone or something because we're not in the same place. So I think mindfulness is incredibly, um, incredibly uh, important right now and, and germane to, to what we're going through. So thank you for that description of it. <laughs> and Very powerful if you can, if you can get it. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's something that can come out of all of this because Part, we, definitely in our society, we get bored so easily nowadays, and that is our mm -hmm. impulse is to pick up our phone. So at the same time that we're connecting over our, our electronics, maybe we can also set that as a long-term goal that during this time, we'd be working towards looking inside and making sure, you know, as, as, as we've been talking about, you know, also with dancers and um, that they don't always... They don't use their voice in their in their dance, so they're not used to speaking up for themselves or necessarily being as tuned into what they're feeling inside their bodies. So maybe they can view this as a time to really 
be looking inward and doing some of the, the work that will benefit them after they are back in class and back in rehearsal and in performance and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, And you know, dancers tend to, um, just in thinking about that task and saying, this is hard to learn and you're going to have to work at it and uh, be present in the moment. Uh, dancers, oh, I can't do that. I wouldn't be able to do that. That's not for me. <laughs> and so one of the things that we haven't spoken about is, is getting rid of some of the negative thoughts. Uh, dancers right. love negative thoughts. If I say, um, tell me some of the things about your body that you like. Oh, well, I, 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 that's uh, my shoulders. All right. But my ankles terrible and I have awful feet. And, you know, my back, my, my spine that they've told me if only I had a decent spine, I could be a real dancer. <laughs> it's easy. It, they just turn it on. And um, so we're, we're really good at thinking about negative things, you know. Oh, I use my cell phone too much. You just said this. Um, and um, so the first thing is key to recognizing that you're doing the negative thoughts mm-hmm. and counter with positive thoughts. Um, so with the things we've used already are the special breathing, the, and there's another breathing where you breathe in just a little bit and make a little constriction in your throat. So there's just a little noise as you're breathing in. Mm-hmm. That's exaggerated, but you could hear it, but just so only you can hear it. And then when you breathe out, and so and that's called ujjayi breathing and it's it's like the ocean coming in and going out and if you can practice that that will help you stay a little in the present moment and work on on that and that's a great thing and then start giving yourself positive thoughts to replace those negative thoughts what what what, bonnie i am so curious about this i know that we our, our self-talk does tend to be so much more negative than positive. Is, mm-hmm. is there a reason for that? And, and I've heard this, that, you know, we challenging our negative self-talk is very, can be very beneficial and can really help us um, feel better about, we, t- we tend to be so hard on ourselves. We say things to ourselves that we wouldn't say to our friends, right? So do you have um, insight as to why that is that we tend to say those negative things to ourselves? No, I don't know why we do that. <laughs> um, I've, I've actually found that I've been saying I don't know a lot these days. Um, and and I, I think that's a positive. I can turn that around into a positive. It's a good thing for me that I've noticed how many times I say, I don't know. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what's happening. Um, but hey, here's a positive, you know. I've, I've, I'm privileged that I can meet with you and talk about these things and share these ideas. Isn't that great? So you, you can take the negative and turn it into a positive. Mm-hmm. You can. Uh, and failing that, you can brush all the negative thoughts off your arms and off your legs and off your feet. Just brush them down with your hands. Get rid of them. Brush them out of your head. Um, and you should have seen me just doing that. Brushing them <laughs> And stop the, uh, tell your thoughts to stop, stop it. I don't want to think about that now and turn it into a positive. I can handle this. I can do this. I've done things b- before I can do it. And and as you're saying this, it's, it's reminding me of, of something that the first time I heard it, that we are not our thoughts. Ah. The first time that I heard that, I thought, what? 
we're, we're not, but, but that's true, right? I mean, I love how you're describing brushing them off and, and everything. I think sometimes we can overly identify with our thoughts and think that, oh, because I thought that I must believe it. But sometimes we can think something that we don't, that, mm-hmm. that, that we don't, shouldn't belong to us and we don't want to belong to us and doesn't need to belong to us. I just wrote that down. We are not our thoughts. So I can refer to that again another time and, and keep that positive thought going. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I think all of us have a thought that we don't want to have. It just spontaneously comes up and then we don't really know how to handle that, especially as, as dancers. We, we tend to be, you know, as we, we've talked about perfectionistic and, you know, um, you know we, we wouldn't be dancing if we didn't want to achieve a high level of um, perfection and accuracy of movement and, and things because um, otherwise it's so hard. Why would you do it otherwise? It's too hard to, to do it if you didn't have kind of that, a little bit of that mindset anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's to remind us when we get those intrusive thoughts, those are the thoughts you're talking about, the ones you don't want. Right. Um, right. You know, to maybe talk to somebody else about it to share that thought. I had the worst thought today because it feels bad. And so you don't want to tell people about it, but it might be helpful to share that thought. Mm-hmm. And then some, that person will come, come back with something that's useful to you. Oh my goodness. No. Sure. Well, and, and I work with a, um, a sports psychologist who works with dancers. And I heard her say to a group of dancers once that you can, you can have these negative thoughts and just let it drive past you like a car, right? The the car will just drive on by. And she said, and that's fine. When you watch the cars go by, it's fine. Recognize the car, acknowledge it, let it go. If you let the car stop and you get into it and start riding around in that car, that's the difference, (laughs) you know, and then you're inhabiting that. Yeah, Yeah, I do too. And so that's something I'll talk to my dancers about. And there's, I think as dancers, we're just naturally drawn to the negative because (laughs) that is what shapes us as dancers yep. critiques right. make us dancers yeah. and give me yep. another and, correction right <laughs> exactly and when someone is correcting you it means that you're worth their time oh yeah valuable yep and when mm-hmm. someone isn't giving you any comments then you're not even worth them trying to correct you and so we take those corrections and start to crave what we start to see as negative feedback but there's a way to take truly negative feedback you know like um i was terrible at that turn and turn it into that you're giving yourself and turn it into I did not make that turn, but I can fix this and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So constructive criticism is different than negative thoughts. And we we have to as dancers have to learn to see the difference between one as an avenue for making us a better dancer and one as an unhealthy habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. And and Bonnie, if we could wrap up with uh, one last thing, which is about um, uh, Jen's talking about this idea about this car. I love that. I think that's such a fantastic yeah. idea. That's yeah, a great and, image. Yeah, it's a great image. And and I think that imagery is something that, you know, a lot of Olympic, Olympic yeah. athletes use and it's used in a lot of other venues, but I don't know how much dancers do that. And I think right now when we are limited in our options of, you know, taking class performances, we're used to um, you're talking about not having the teacher in the room and, and having each other's energy, you know, that we, we definitely, mm-hmm. as, as dancers, we, we feed off of that. Um, can you wrap up by telling us a little bit about how people might be able to use imagery to help them during this time? 
Yes, because dancers may think, as as we just said, their negative thought may, well, I, I, I don't know how to image, I don't, I couldn't do that. Well, yes, you can, everybody can. I, I would ask you to go and find your toothbrush. Have you found your toothbrush? And then I would like you to say what color it is. I bet you knew what the color of your toothbrush was. That's imagery. <laughs> so now I want you to think about all the wonderful times you had in dance. And out of all those wonderful moments, remember, remember that statement of flow, when the dance was just flowing out of you, when, it, when you were your dance, and it was you, and it was a magical moment. Can you image that? Can you image and bring into that image, that moment, bring into the sounds that you heard? Was there music? Bring into that, was there uh, uh, something else you heard? Doors, people, uh, what could you see? Were you in front of a mirror or were you on stage? Could you see lights? And what could you feel? Could you feel the floor? Could you feel the as you turn, the wind going round you? Uh, could you feel your costume uh, and the sense? What did you smell? What could, all bring all your sense, your proprioception. That's that's a hard one for some of the bendy bodies, and you're working on it. And where are you in space? And bring all of those sensations in to your image, and then do that re-experience that again feeling just wonderful special moment just for you and that's how you use imagery to feel better mm -hmm. to prove your self-confidence you've been there you've done well take take satisfaction in it beautiful yeah that's fantastic wonderful well, this has been such a, a thrill to get to chat with you today, Bonnie, and with you, Jennifer. It's so great to have the, the trio back from, from <laughs> our, our presentation in Montreal. That was so much, so much fun. And um, Bonnie, can you tell us where people can find out uh, more information about you or, or connect with you? Well, uh, we are doing, uh, with the Mental Health Committee of International Dance Medicine and Science, uh, there are weekly webinars that are coming up, and you can get them through the newsletter of iAdams and Instagram, and they're on YouTube. Uh, and each week, a different topic is handled, like one week, a topic of emotionality and, and emotions and what to expect. Uh, and another week was on stress, and there's going to be one on sleep. Oh, and one we didn't talk about today, um, li living uh, in isolation with children, which is a really <laughs> important. <laughs> yeah, good and bad. It's going to be mem remembered as the most wonderful time that you and your children were together, mm -hmm. and also maybe one of the most awful times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And your pets. <laughs> <laughs> They can be good and they can be difficult. Yeah, definitely. I, I was talking to a friend the other day who has, you know, relatively small children at home. They're both now working from home and they have their, I think, you know, five and seven year old at home. And, <laughs> and, and it is really, really. What are we going to do now, daddy? 
Well, not only that, the schools are saying, okay, we want you to do all of these things. Plus, you know, all these extra six meetings. hours a day. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Cause, cause you know, they said to me, they said, it's not just a matter of having the kids busy and occupied. They, they expect all this extra work mm -hmm. for you to be, to be doing when normally you were used to shipping them off to school. And obviously you'd have some interaction, but you would be sending them off to school. And then during the day you would have that, you know, bulk of time. Mm -hmm. And so it depends so much on the age of the children, right? <laughs> different, different mm -hmm. uh, right. challenges at different ages for sure. So, well, wonderful. Well, you've been listening to Bendy Bodies with the Hypermobility MD. And today our guest has been Dr. Robson, Dr. Bonnie Robson, psychiatrist and performing arts medicine specialist. And it has been so great to have Jennifer Milner, my guest co-host on the show again today as well. And I really appreciate just so much, both of you taking the time to share your knowledge and um, have this great conversation. Thank you Absolutely. very much for inviting us. <laughs> of course, <laughs> anytime. So, well, we'll catch you next time on Bendy Bodies with Hypermobility MD. Thanks so much. Please go to bendybodies.org for links to all the episodes and to access the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share, leave a review, and consider rating us five stars. Don't forget to subscribe so you will be notified of all new episodes. Feedback is greatly appreciated and can be emailed to bendybodiespodcast at gmail.com. Go to hypermobilitymd.com to sign up for my newsletter. Thank you to Rhett Gill for production and sound editing, to Andrew Savino for composing our original music, and to Jennifer Arsenault for designing the Bendy Bodies website and cover artwork. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Please see your own medical team prior to making any changes to your health care. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Bendy Bodies with the Hypermobility MD. This episode of the Bendy Bodies podcast was brought to you by Bauerfine Premium Braces and Supports, designed to provide joint stability and pain relief.